0: Today, we titled the message, Faith That Moves Obstacles. Turn to the person next to you and say, Moves Obstacles. Turn to the person on the other side and say, Faith That. And then go back to the other side, Moves Obstacles. There you go. <laughs> I had this recent opportunity uh, where I saw this video footage of this gal that was pole vaulting. Blew my mind. And I said, you know what? I, I've got to show this today. And so, it really, a little girl with some obstacles in her life, and yet she is the, um, the best pole vaulter ever to come through her school. But wait till you hear her story. So play that for him for just a moment so we can get We're the pace going. Cool.
1: When Charlotte Brown runs down her lane with her pink pole vault and leaps into the sky, you hold your breath. She's just 15 years old, and she's learned to fly. But what's most amazing is she can't see. I really can't make out a blur even, it just, it really just doesn't, it really just blends in for me. She can't see the track or the fancy color of her pole vault or the faces of the people in the stands. She's legally blind. So you have no idea, you know, what I really look like. Right. Doctors don't know why, but she started losing her sight when she was just 16 weeks old. Several surgeries later, none of it helped. She took to the pole vault like a champion. But how in the world does someone who's blind do so well at something that's challenging for anyone? This is what pole vaulting looks like to a sighted person, but this is what it looks like to Charlotte. She says it's like looking down the inside of a little black straw and seeing a blurry light at the end. So she has a system. Her coach lays artificial turf next to her lane. She can see the difference between light and dark, and it helps her run straight one two three she counts her steps and then goes for it. and now get this she's not just any pole
0: vaulter she's the best her high school has ever seen all right so the first time i saw that it blew my mind i'll tell you why because i can't even walk in my house with the lights off without killing myself are you with me? You know what I'm saying? Like I know that couch is there, and I still stub my toe. Like how does how in the world? And you talk about a young lady with obstacles in her life, but somehow she's overcome it. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to study the word of uh, the faith that it takes to overcome obstacles. We all have obstacles. We all have shortcomings. We all have difficulties. Some of you were raised in foster care. That's an obstacle for even know how, how to have a good family. Some of you have had these background situations that are real tough. Some of you struggle with uh, with education and learning and reading and things like that that's an obstacle. But Frank, can I tell you something? The key scripture today should help you a little bit. We find that in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Turn your Bibles there quickly. Matthew 19, 26. Then Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. No matter what the obstacle is in your life, with God, all things are possible. With God, no matter how difficult, what you're going through, what you've been through, It's possible with God to overcome. What I love about this passage is Jesus isn't qualifying for us if we have a, oh, if we just have a better positive attitude. Uh, This isn't a self-help message today. This is a message about how to walk in faith that moves obstacles. We're gonna look throughout Scripture and find this scenario and learn from this Canaanite woman the kind of faith that it took to move a great obstacle. I, I can't imagine Running down a track as fast as I can, I can barely make out that there's two different colors down there on the ground between the track and the fake grass. I don't know how I would then take a pole as I'm running with all my might, stick it in the ground and go flying in the air. That woman has overcome some obstacles. And friend, each and every one of us has some obstacles we need to overcome. And it's possible with God. And that's what we're going to learn today is how to walk in faith, the kind of faith that actually moves those obstacles in our life. Some of you are still struggling and saying, God, I love you, but I can't get past this thing. Some of you you have, have been suffering with this sickness in your body for years and years and years, and it's time to move the obstacles. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes. Can we study some scripture today? Is that all right? Let's look at the passage in Matthew chapter 15. We're going to read this storyline about the Canaanite woman and her engagement with Jesus. And I'm going to break it down for you so that you can kind of see even the obstacles that were working against her. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, it says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Verse 23, Jesus didn't answer, not even a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying after us. And he answered, I was not sent to the lost sheep. Excuse me, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Rude. Verse 27. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, verse 28, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Jesus called this woman a woman of great faith. Now, if I could kind of set the scene for you a little bit. If you'll read the earlier part of that chapter, chapter 15, Jesus in the earlier part of that chapter has been engaged with the Pharisees, the uh, teachers of the law the religious guys who refused to admit that he was Messiah and who constantly were battling him theologically, constantly throwing things on him. They got all mad because, you know, Jesus had done something on the Sabbath. And they said, why do you disrespect the teachings of our elders, the traditions of our elders on what you should do and not do on the Sabbath? And Jesus, in, in rebuttal to them, says, why do you break the law where God tells us to honor our father and mother? Because you say that, you know, if I give money to the church, then I don't have to take care of my, my mother and father. And you break that. And so, they get back and forth in this debate and it's every day for Jesus. Everywhere he goes, there's this little group of Pharisees and Sadducees, these little teachers of the law, the Sanhedrin. They're following him around every meeting and they're trying to cause divisive. uh, They're being divisive. They're trying to cause disruption and they're constantly challenging him and trying to debate him. He's trying to do good and they're constantly, and I would imagine it just got to wearing on him a little bit. And so what happens is as he just confronts them, he then says this about him in verse eight. He kind of looks at them, is done with them. You don't even obey the word of God when it says, honor your father and mother. And so he then turns to the people around him and look what he says in verse eight. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. He says, guys, don't listen to these guys. Because listen, they, they, they worship God, but it's just with their lips. They don't really love God. In fact, all they're about The rules of men. Come on, you ever been in a church like that? I've been a part of the rules of men in my life, and it's like if you don't do this, then God's not pleased with you. And that's literally how dead religion controls people: is to put you in fear that God doesn't like you, and if you make a mistake, that he's gonna he's gonna discipline you, he's gonna reject you. And uh, my friends that are involved in Islam, how sad of a religion that they don't have any idea if if all their good works are actually going to get them to paradise, and that is dead religion. But what I love about the God that we serve, the one true God, is that He doesn't want a rules and regulation. He wants relationship. And in that relationship, what happens is I fall in love and I start becoming like him. And then all the wickedness of this world, everything the Bible calls sin, I, it doesn't have as much effect on me. I don't want it as much. Why? Because I have real relationship and I have a real a real sincerity of love back and forth being shared. And some some of you haven't even found that yet. You're just you're just trying to you know be good. Friend, you can never be good enough. I can never be good enough. What I needed was the living Savior in my life. And so this woman comes to him if, as we see, as he shifts. So he comes to the end of this conflict with these dudes. And he says, you know what? Let's go, guys. Let's, let's move on and he actually leaves where all the Jewish people are at, and he goes over to to the, to the area of Tyre uh, uh, and, and Sidon. And that's an area that is all Gentiles. They're not Jewish people. They're not believers in Judaism. They don't believe in Jehovah God. They worship all kinds of wicked stuff. And Jesus literally, if you catch the intent there, it seems as though he's like, look, just get me away from all the dead religious people. Let's go to all the wicked people. At least they don't know me, and they won't, They won't. we won't have any, and I can just rest. I don't have any conflict because you Know good and well that the that the uh, teachers of the law aren't going to follow me over there unless this. You almost get this sense of having a break. The moment he pulls into the city, this woman, this pagan Canaanite woman, hears that Jesus is here. She hears you know from the gossip line, and she goes running over to him. Jesus, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on my daughter's demon possessed. Please, 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 help me. And Jesus doesn't even respond to her. Can you imagine? Can you imagine walking through the mall and somebody starts calling out your husband's name? Bill! 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 And you're like, are you gonna answer them? He's like, No, I knew them from high school. Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. Can you imagine? Jesus won't answer. So finally the disciples are like, dude, she's killing us. Because you know they're trying to be, you know, you know, they're trying to be, you know, security. So they're like, you know, Jesus has left the room. All right, here we go. We're going left on street A, B. And then watch out. Here comes this lady. Lady, excuse me, back away from the anointed one. Back away. We don't want you stealing his anointing. Back away. And she's like, Jesus, please, Lord. And finally, they get tired of it. And they're like, look, 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 bro, you got to do something. Because he's wearing us out. You got to do something. And then Jesus responds to them. With her in earshot, obviously, he goes, I'm not here but for only the Jews. I'm not here for all the pagans. And she cries out and says, Lord, please help me. Now, let me, let me explain to you. This woman's in a situation. You want to talk about obstacles. Let me just kind of explain a couple of the obstacles this, this woman is actually walking through. Uh, first and foremost, she's got a demonized daughter. I want you to think about that for a moment. She's got a child that cannot be trusted to ever be alone. She, she doesn't Sleep at night like another parent does. She doesn't know what's going to happen to that child. That, she, she can't just go to work and leave that child with someone else. Nobody won't, will take care of that child for her. We're not talking about the days where government uh, policies were in place to help parents and families with that. that, that she's on her own. She, she, she can't just feed that child the way you feed your child. She's got all of these difficulties. And she's been suffering with this year after year after year. How tired is she? How frustrated is she? How exhausted is she? Like, God, please, something. I would imagine she's gone to every physician she can get her hands on. She's done all that she can. Nothing will fix it. But she heard about this guy. She heard about this guy who does miracles. She doesn't even understand what Jews believe. She doesn't even know really what Judaism is all about. But she knows this guy, there's something different about him. In fact... Some of the Jews are calling him their Messiah, that he is actually God has come to earth. And so she's like, I'm going to get a hold to God coming to earth. You better doggone believe it. And she shows up in desperation and full-fledged frustration, and she is not letting go. But she's got some obstacles. First off, she's got pain and suffering in her life that's unreal. This moment, she's got some great obstacles. And let me point those out to you. First off, she's a woman even to this day in the Middle East, women are not treated on equal levels as men. But this is in biblical times. She's a woman, and first off, there's a standing standing cultural precipice that women are not allowed to approach a rabbi. Even today, if you go to the Wailing Wall, the women pray over here, and the men pray over here. The rabbis are teaching men over here, and no no ladies are allowed to be taught by these rabbis. So first and foremost, she's a woman, and she's crying out, Help! Help! And he does what culturally is accepted, he won't even speak, respond to her. He does that. Now, stay with me because Jesus is doing something much bigger. Yep. He's doing something much bigger. You and I, the moment he didn't answer us, would be like, Forget you? Forget you then? That's what you and I would have done. See that? Because this obstacle is big, but she's gonna keep fighting through it. Now, I tell you another obstacle that she's got working against her, which is kind of crazy. She's a Gentile. And Jesus says, look, I didn't come. I didn't come for the Gentiles. My assignment from the Father is to reach the Jews, to give them first right to the Messiah coming to earth for their deliverance. We will reach the Gentiles, but my my first duty is to do this. She's a Gentile. That's working against her. So she's got a demonized daughter. She's trying to get help. She's a woman. She's a Gentile. And she's got these pieces that are obstacles. And then... If everything else wasn't bad enough, she's got the worst timing of anybody on the planet. You ever have a friend that's just got the worst timing? Like, really, you're gonna call me now? Like, you always you have that friend that always calls, texts, and that moment, that moment that you're like, any other time, I would love to talk to you. But you always call at the wrong moment, right? And that's what she's got. She's got the wrong moment. Jesus has been exhausted. He's been battling dead religion over, over you know, amongst the, you know, the Jewish uh, cities. And he's come here to try to just get away and not deal with it all and just kind of get replenished for a little bit. She's got the worst timing. I had a friend back in the day. His name was Shea. He had the worst timing. He's the guy we're all standing around after service. Man, God's so good. And he'd he'd stand there and all of a sudden he go, I got a jet ski. And we're like, what? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, got a jet ski, and I'm, uh, y'all want to go ride it? Like dude, shut up. What are you talking about? I mean, this guy has, let me tell you how bad his timing was. There was a family in our church, the Hennigans, you guys know, the Hennigans, and they had kind of this open house policy. And it was where all the young adults would go hang out, you know, after youth services and things like that. And, and, uh, and their son was, you know, one of the youth ministers. And, and so, and, and they just had this open door policy. And, and right out of uh, high school, uh, in Bible school, my f- folks had left, and went to the mission field. So I, I, you know, during that time, I stayed with them for a few months, just lived there with them. And they were always taking And strays to live with them a little bit. And Shay was one of them. And uh, Shay stayed with them for a few months, things like that. But they had this open door policy. You just go in their house. They had a big house, kind of, you know, just on the edge between the country and the city. And they had about five acres. In this neighborhood, all the houses had about five acres. And they had this big house. And they had this concept. You come in their house, you say hello, and you come in and get you something to drink get you something out of the refrigerator make a sandwich something like that you know you don't come to my house like that by the way but that was it. that was their concept they just you know if they were if they were sitting down eating and you came over they wouldn't offer you anything you just knew go get you something that's just their concept and uh, and so Shay had one of these you know uh, relationships with them and and he came up but they had this dog they had this yellow lab that we that his name was Gator and Gator was the, like the staple of that house. Like Gator would always go and bring stuff out of the woods. And you'd pull up and <laughs> he'd slobber all over you, you know, all over your church clothes and stuff. But Gator was stable. So unbeknownst to Shay, because he went out of town for a few weeks, the Hennekins decided to sell their house. So they sell the house. Well, the dog came with the house because the dog loved the house. So the new family's like, can we keep the dog? And the Henigans were like, yeah, we're going to be in transition. So yeah, keep the dog. It's great. And so Shay pulls up. The house has been sold. A couple weeks later, Gator comes out, greets him. <laughs> he goes in the house. Nobody's really there. Goes to the refrigerator, makes him a sandwich. Sits down in the living room, watching TV. <laughs> Middle of the day, husband's at work. The wife comes out of the back room. She's got a robe on. She's been in the shower. She's got her hair. And she goes... What are you doing? And he looked at her and said, what are you doing in my Aunt Connie's bedroom? She goes, what do you mean? He said, who are you? She said, we bought the house. We own the house. He goes, really? She's like, yes. I'm about to call the cops. Excuse me, lady. I got to go. And walked out. He's that guy with the worst. This woman has the worst timing. I mean, you can't get any worse. I mean, Jesus is like, really, lady? Come on now. She's got bad timing. She's got a horrible situation with her daughter being demonized. She's a woman. She's a Gentile. And then she makes the mistake of a lifetime. She's a Gentile. She's a pagan, if you will. And how does she address Jesus? Lord, son of David. As reading that as Westerners, we wouldn't have any problem with that. But a Jewish person would be greatly offended that a pagan person used that verbiage that was special to their culture. It was a call for the Messiah to come, son of David, Lord, son of David. She is using an intimate term that she's not allowed. That's like me going to your Hispanic family reunion as a white boy and going, oh, mijo, come over here, mijo, let me hug you. (laughs) Y'all be like, bro, you ain't, Get, get out of here, white boy, what's wrong with you? All of you got your little cultural things that you say and you know I'm not allowed to say it. That's what she does. And literally Jesus won't even respond to her won't respond. And finally the disciples say, please, sir, do something. And he says, it's not right for me to do anything. I'm here for the Jews. Earshot, she comes running, falls at his feet. And she says, please, Lord. She keeps calling him Lord. She keeps, she has made him Lord in her heart. Please, Lord, do something. Please help me. And then he finally responds to her, and look what he says. We'll look at it again, verse 26. He says, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Let it sink. Let it sink. He calls her a dog. Now, when we call people dogs, we use a curse word. Y'all do. I don't. I'm, I'm awesome. Can you imagine? He, he, he humiliates her. I know you're looking at this like, what kind of Jesus is this you done portrayed here today, Pastor? This is the Jesus of the Word. But he's doing something, it's building somewhere. He says, Listen, it's not right for me to give what belongs to the children to the dogs. You and I, right then and there, we'd have been like, Uh huh, I'm out. That's what I thought church was. Uh huh, I'm out. And he, she doesn't. She responds, Look at her response. She goes, Yes, Lord. She doesn't say, Wait, I'm not a dog. She goes, Yes, Lord, but, she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. (laughs) You just said, what? Okay, so I've offended you twice. Three times, I've ignored you. I've talked to everyone about you without talking to you. Then when I finally do approach, when I finally engage you, I call you a dog, and you still respond with, yes, Lord. But even the dogs get the crumbs. Just give me a crumb, Lord. And look what he responds, or what I call his re-response. He says it like this. He says, then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Boom. That's the kind of faith that moves obstacles. We all have obstacles in our life. And we all need to have the kind of faith that moves them and i want to teach us today from what i see in this woman's life and i see this all throughout scripture four little principles that she walked in that you and i need to have if we're going to move those those obstacles in our life are you ready let's jump in faith that moves obstacles number one desperate she was desperate you and I need to get to the place where we're desperate again. What's happened is you said, "Well, this is my lot in life. My kids are always going to be this way. I'm always going to be sick like this. This is what happened to my grandmother. What happened to my mom? So what's happened to me. It's just what it is." Some of you just—you've already wrote it off. I'm just never going to get any further than barely being able to pay my bills. Some of you just bought into the concept. Now you know what? It's just—I'm just always going to be sick. I'm always going to have this issue. It's just an obstacle in my life, and I'm just going to have to. And you've accepted it, Frank, Can I tell you something? There has to—something has to stir inside of us where we get desperate. And we say, "No, no, that's not right." That's not the God that I serve. God didn't make it this way. It shouldn't be this way. Instead of just uh, settling in and becoming passive, it's time to kind of get desperate again. She said, no, Jesus. No, Jesus. My daughters did. This isn't right. This shouldn't be like this. She was desperate, and that's the starting spot. What you and I do as Americans, we get comfortable. We say, well, if the doctors can't fix it, it just is what it is. If I can't buy my way out of it, it just is what it is. When you go overseas, you see the desperateness inside of people. And they say, I don't have any other solution. If God doesn't do it, I don't know how it's going to happen. But if God doesn't do it, I die. And you see them, they'll run to get someone to pray with them. Why? Because they just are desperate because there's no other way to get get the get the obstacle removed. And what happens to us as Americans, we just we just kind of buy into it. and We just settle in and go, well, that's just how it's going to be. I just think that's, you know, that's I'm just comfortable with it now. I'm just used to it at this point. And friend, there needs to be a desperateness. Your son is going to serve God, and you got to get desperate about it. You're not going to be in poverty the rest of your life and you need to get desperate about it. You're not going to work a dead-end job and be in your 60s and can't even move anymore because you've worked yourself to the bone. You need to get a desperateness inside of you and say, God, I know there's better. I know there's a plan and this obstacle has to go, but it has to start with your attitude and your heart. You see her desperateness. She's desperate. She's desperate. Friend, don't let your kid go to hell because you lost desperateness. Don't. Don't just say, well, it is what it is. You know, he didn't want to serve God. There should be some desperateness about us. Here's the second thing that I see in her life, and I see it all throughout Scripture, and that is she was submissive. She was submissive. She called him Lord when she didn't even have a right to call him Lord based on culture. She called him Lord. The guys a few verses earlier were theologians. They knew he was the Messiah. He fit every piece of the prophecies of what the Messiah was going to be, and they wouldn't call him Lord. And here's this Canaanite woman, this pagan woman, Lord, son of David. She submitted herself to him. She said, Lord, you you are Lord. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the son of David. What happens so many times is we think we can do it in our own strength. I have learned to submit to the Lord. Lord, whatever your word says. Whatever your word says. I've seen obstacles move because I've obeyed what his word said. Things like, oh, I don't know, pray for those who despitefully use you. Forgive those who have done you wrong. And I've, I, I, it's been hard to submit to that. But I've learned to submit to that in that things have shifted. Obstacles have moved. It's phenomenal. When I first moved here to Texas, I was helping another man w- w- plan his church. And there was a young man that was 21 years old that we went to visit. And, uh, and he had a cancerous tumor in his leg. And it, was, it came out like this. It looked like um, a grapefruit uh, just right in his calf area. And the pastor had been praying with him and ministering to him. And so we got there, and as we knocked on the door, he, he called us in and, and, uh, and didn't really know we were coming. And, uh, and so we, we looked at, he'd been playing video games. He had, he had um, you know, he'd just been sitting on the couch. And he just basically, he bought into the fact that, you know what, I'm going to die of cancer, 21-year-old. Lost hope. He just kind of lost hope. <clears throat> and so pastor asked him, the pastor asked him, said, so have you been praying the scriptures that I, that I gave you? Well, pastor, I just, you know, I just, I, no, I really haven't. Have you asked God to help? You know, Pastor, I just, you know, I don't know. I just think it is what it is. Okay. And that worship CD that I left you so you could play it and just kind of get the presence of the Lord in, in the house so you can build your faith? No, I, I really don't like that music that much. I, I haven't been doing that. And we walked out to get in the car, and the pastor looked at me and said, Adam, let me ask you something. If you had a tumor at the side of your leg the size of a grapefruit, and the doctors said there's nothing they can do about it, that that cancer is spreading through your whole body, how would you react to that? And if the pastor came and brought you scriptures and CDs, would you, would you, would you listen to those worship songs? Would you, would you read those scriptures and quote them over your life? I said, you bet a doggone right. He goes, yeah. So would I. I don't know why this guy wouldn't do it. That young man died two weeks later. It was a submission issue. It really came down to submission. He didn't really believe that the word worked. He didn't really believe that Jesus was Lord. It was a problem with submission. It wasn't a problem with whether or not God has the ability to fix it. Because what was our key scripture? With God, all things are possible. It was a submission issue. He really didn't believe that Jesus could do it. And he just kind of lost hope. And nothing we did to try to help him get his faith back was working because of submission. Had everything to do with submission. Here's the third thing that we learned from this gal. And that is she was persistent. She was persistent. The kind of faith that moves obstacles... Is a persistent faith, day in and day out, not quitting just because it doesn't look so good. First one, to, first thing you do when you get up, Lord, please, you got to help me with this. Lord, please, I, I, I'm calling on your name. I, I speak to this thing, and I command it to be removed in Jesus' name. Sitting here on our front row is Pastor Sean. He's our young adult pastor. And a couple years ago, after graduating from Bible school and working with us in ministry, uh, and one of our vision points here in ministry is that we don't believe you're a minister because you're on staff. We believe you're a minister because God said you were a minister. In fact, we believe all of us are ministers, and then there are the fivefold ministry that are equipped the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so he's called to be a pastor, and and so. But what we also don't want to do is put a heavy burden on the people's tithes and offerings. So we're not trying to hire bunches of pastors and give them salaries from the church. We uh, most of our pastors have uh, have other jobs; they're bivocational, if you will. So they pastor us and they train us and they teach us, but they also have jobs out in the community. And so Pastor Sean came. He said, "Listen, I want a decent job, so I don't have to. I don't have to. You know." you know, all my days, you know, just barely skimp by. And he, he said, I, I feel like I, like I want to go be a banker. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So we started praying about it. So he applied at a couple banks. He ended up, you know, at Chase. And the moment they hired him, he, he told me, so he said, watch what I do. And so he showed up, and he showed up 30 minutes early before he was supposed to be there. He stayed late every day. They've started him like a teller, and, and and every person walk in the door. Hey, welcome to Chase. How can we help you? He just went overboard to the place that everybody working with him was like, dude, stop it. You're making us sick. But he decided he was going to be the best. He decided that he was going to do it right, and he was going to make he was going to make Chase the best bank in, in the whole world. And wherever he's at, he's going to make it great. So he we went out, and bought him some new little clothes, and he we after after work he come you know to a young adult, and we're all looking at him like, dude, why are you dressed so like? like fancy and stuff. He's like, well, this is the only fancy clothes I have because I hadn't got paid yet. But uh, he decided he was going to outdress everybody there. He decided that he was going to outwork everybody there. Persistent, day in and day out, being the best. Can I tell you something? They immediately started promoting him first couple years, they put him in the, in the training process to be a manager. And then they, wait, they had to wait for this bank to come available and this one come available. He's been at it right at five years now. And can I tell you something? They gave him, he's one of the youngest they've ever done a, a quickest in the training process. They give him his own location. He's over there off of 20. Come on somebody in Matlock, right? And, uh, and so he's the head banker there at that location. He's got a bunch of staff. And he's only been in this industry for five years. Can I tell you something? It was the persistence. Boom, boom, boom. And he called me, he called me the other day after work. and He said, you all believe it. I said, what? He said, we just got rated in our peer group, 80 different uh, Chase Banks around the nation that fit in our peer group. We just got ranked number one. When I took it over, we were like, you know, we were like, you know, uh, 80%. We were at the top, uh, top 20%. And he said, and we just got pushed within one year of me being the senior manager. We just got put to number one. Why? It's not because he's so anointed and sexy and good. What else did you tell me? Sexy, good, anointed, and up. I'm telling you right now what it is. Persistence. Day in and day out, doing his best. Day in and day out. Can I tell you something? This woman wasn't giving up. We give up too quick. We're raising a generation of quitters. Stop it. To teach them not to give up. They got to see it in us. Wake up every day. I pray against this sickness in Jesus' name. I know they said that I'll die with it, but it's not going to happen. I pray again. I stand against. So I'm going to be persistent with a day in and day out. You be persistent with your children every day. Listen, I tell you, I love you. I can't let you act like that. I love you, but we're going to be the same day in and day out and day in and day out. They don't. My children don't see me act one way one day and another way another day. They see me being persistent, consistent, day in and day out. She just kept pushing on him and pushing on him. No Lord, but no Lord, but no Lord, but no Lord, but no Lord. But no Lord. And she kept pushing and kept pushing and kept. Pushing. Jesus had this all planned out. I'm telling you he had this whole thing figured out. He was already going to work towards this cuz Jesus is so gracious and so kind. He would have never, you know, slapped her around or treated her uh, with, you know, with disrespect. He's moving the people somewhere. This is a storyline that has to happen for you and I so 2000 years later we can say don't let anything offend us. Not even Jesus himself. Just stay consistent. Stay in it. Stay in it. She stays in it and then we see the last thing, the last big piece, and that is she was humble. He says dogs don't deserve the bread from the children. Fourth thing that we see that she was humble and she said, yes, Lord, I may be a dog, but I'll tell you this, even the dogs get the crumbs. Even the dogs, would you give them the fourth point, please? Humility, humble. Even the dogs, even the dogs, even the dogs receive something that falls off the table, the scraps. Look at that humility. See, some of us, we've been saved so long, there's no humility left. I deserve this. I've been a Christian this long, bless God. Praise God, I've been a Christian this long, I don't understand. Some of you have come from other churches, you come into our environment, and you're expecting us to elevate you all of a sudden. Because you did something back in the day. And we just can't. Why? Because leadership's the result of what? Influence. Influence is the result of servanthood. When you serve someone, that gives you influence in their life. That's when you start becoming a leader to people. And just because you served 30 years ago doesn't mean you served in this congregation or in this group of people. Just because what you did last year was so great, you ain't done nothing this year. Are you with me? And so what we have to learn is to walk in humility. And she said, Lord, we don't know. She might have been a very wealthy individual. She might have been somebody popular in her culture. She didn't do any of that. She just humbled herself. And she just said, yes, 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 maybe I am a dog. But, Lord, even the dogs get crumbs. And I have found that he resists the proud, the Scripture says, but he gives grace to the humble." And when you and I cry out every day, Lord, I don't know how to fix this. God, I need your help. I can't keep this marriage together. I'm not good at it. Lord, I have a tendency. I have a tendency to, to chase skirts. Lord, I have a tendency, Lord, to just not to want to go to church and be with Christians. And I just have a tendency to run around and run away when I get scared and I don't understand. God, I need your help. I need your help. That humility is where he, he responds to. So when she humbles herself and she says, even the dogs get crumbs, he goes, what the What? I imagine in that moment, he just kind of looks around and says, do you hear what this pagan woman just told me? I have not seen in all of Israel anybody with this guy. Ca- great faith, girlfriend, great faith. It's done. Go about your way, girlfriend. You got it. It's done. Supernatural miracle because this woman had the kind of faith that was desperate, the kind of faith that was submissive, the kind of faith that was persistent, the kind of faith that was humble. And I I don't know what happens to us sometimes, but we give up. And we just say, well, that's how it's going to be. I'm going to work this dead-end job the rest of my life. We lose hope. Well, it's just my kids are just going to be hellions. That's who they are. You know, they're already in juvie. It's just the pattern. I guess that's just going to be. Friend, I'll tell you something. You and I need to awaken a little bit. And that's kind of the word of the hour right now. God's trying to shake us. Because there's greatness in us. There's greatness for us. With God, it's possible. With God, we can tear down this whole prejudice thing around the nation. With God, listen to me. With God, we can finance global revival. With God, come on, are you with me? With God, we can keep our marriages strong and our children will serve the Lord. Our kids can lay hands on sick people and see them. With God, it's possible. It may not be in our own strength. We may not can do it because, like I've blown it this time and I'm not good enough this time. That may be true. But with God, all things are possible. And you got to get that. That down in your heart, you got to hold on to that and say, You know what? I'm gonna have the kind of faith that actually moves obstacles, and I'm gonna learn it and I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna learn to be persistent, I'm gonna learn to be consistent, I'm gonna learn to keep being humble. Say, God, I don't know what's going on, I don't know how to do this. If you'll just help me, I'm gonna stay the course, I'm not gonna give up, I'm not gonna I'm gonna get some desperateness inside of me and just stop being passive. Go, Well, it is what it is, you know, just my life, I'm just gonna watch TV, I'm just gonna, you know, get on Facebook and see what everybody else is doing. And my life just sucks. We're gonna get past all that, get some desperateness about us, and friend, I'm gonna tell you something you're going to move some obstacles. You'll be able to run down a track, blind as a bat. And be able to soar high. And that's my vision for you. And that's the vision that God has for you. This woman's no more special than you and I. You and I can learn from her the kind of faith. Only twice in Scripture does Jesus say, great faith. And this is one of them. I've not seen faith like this. This is great faith. I don't know about you, but I want to have great faith. Are you with me today? Say yes. Stand with me all across the room. You guys have been gracious today. You've listened quietly so I would preach faster. That was smart. If we don't say amen, he won't keep preaching. That's good. Trey, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me for a moment. If you're new to us, I get you to do that so you can concentrate, not so the little elves can steal stuff out of your purses. That would kind of creep me out. Somebody said, close your eyes, bow your heads like, uh-huh. Is you gonna rob me? What are you gonna do? But I do that so that you can just have a moment with God. It's a safe place. And I want you to just. What obstacles? What obstacles are thwarting your forward movement? What are you frustrated about? What are you concerned about? What's caused your life to to not soar the way you thought it should? What obstacle is there? Is it your education? Your inability you feel like to learn? Is it a sickness? Is it a sin habit? Is it what happened to you by way of somebody else that was wrong? Did you wrong? I I don't know what your obstacles are. But I promise you, this little Canaanite woman had as many or more than you and I do she's a woman in a male dominated culture she's a Gentile appealing to the king of the Jews she's got terrible timing man I'm just the worst timing she's so desperate that she she, she can't even be appropriate and then she's just offensive man she's using the wrong words and in all of that, in all of that, Jesus called her great faith. Don't give up. Today, let the Lord re- reignite a passion in your heart to see this thing change. Maybe you have a recent obstacle, you just don't even know what to do with it. Ask the Lord to help. Humble yourself. She cried out, Lord, son of David, help me, please. There's got to be a desperateness. Come out of your apathy. Recognize this thing's killing you. It's killing your family. Call it for what it is. Stop saying. Stop making excuses for it. Stop saying, well, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. There's something in your life. Each one, of, each one of us have at least one obstacle in our life. It's not okay. But friend, can I tell you something? As you and I begin to move that thing around, what was a stumbling block will become a stepping stone. You just, you, you, you can't, you can't have a victory without an enemy. You can't go forward without going through. Today's the day to make some decisions so that you can start walking in the kind of faith that moves obstacles. If you've been unable to submit to the Lord in some areas, just go ahead and repent right where you stand. If you've had such an arrogance and you try to think you could do it in your own, own strength and you still had not gotten, gotten you guys out of debt, Humble yourself. Ask for help. Ask the Lord to do something. Obey his word. Submit to what he already says in the word of God. You still got bitterness in your heart towards that person who did you dirty? They were wrong. I agree with you. They were wrong. But the Bible tells us to forgive them, to release them, to pray for them. Say it's so hard. Yeah, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. What makes us Christians is because we're able to follow and submit to the Lord and then he gives us strength to do supernatural things like forgive and humble ourselves but you take a moment right where you stand whatever that obstacle is I want you to make a commitment to the Lord today that you're going to apply these type of principles that we see in this this young lady Father we come before you now as a church body as individuals as family units as one big church And we ask you now, Lord God, to help us have the kind of faith that moves obstacles. Lord God, we humble ourselves, Lord God. We recognize that we've been trying to do some of this in our own strength. Lord, we submit to what your word says. Lord, we just submit. Whatever you tell us to do in the word, we submit to. We're tired of trying to do it in our own strength. God, we come before you today and we declare. We declare, Lord God, that we're not going to. We need fresh passion in our heart. Lord, we we, we need to come alive again. We've kind of died out. We've lost hope. Lord God, we need hope again. We need hope again. We ask you to help us, oh God. The tenacity by which this woman approached you, Lord, we've lost that, oh God. Life has become mundane. Our spiritual walk has become mundane. God, please, let there be a fresh passion, a fresh tenacity, oh God. A fresh desperateness to know you, to walk with you, to be with you, and to be like you. Jesus, I thank you over this next year. Men and women in this congregation are going to walk up to me and say, you're not going to believe that. that obstacle's gone. It's been moved to the side. God, we stand behind you. And we let you just kind of crush it forward and push all those obstacles behind and as we walk in submission. I think every man and woman in this room is gonna be able to testify. Yeah, we, I couldn't keep the marriage together. I did, I did what the word of God said and it's been supernatural. It's been turned around. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't change that thing. I kept going back and forth to the doctor and I just submitted to the Lord and I started getting real, real desperate for healing and something has shifted. It's happened. It's a miracle. Father, I thank you for the kind of faith that moves the obstacles that leads to miracles may this congregation be full of that be able to talk about it to all their co-workers and friends and neighbors, the God that heals the God that fixes, the God that the God that overcomes for with you it's possible if you keep your head bowed for just a moment maybe you're in this place today, you say, Pastor, I gotta be honest if I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven I'm pretty doggone sure that I'm away from God and I don't know what you call it, but I'm that Friend, i got such good news for you. I've been in that place. And can I tell you about the God that we serve? He's gracious and kind. It's a miracle. You came here today. You didn't think you were going to a football game. So your heart's already tender. You already want something from God. You want to be right with Him. And I promise you, the Word of God says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You don't have to give money to the church to be right with God. You don't have to crawl on your knees and beg and plead. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus did the great work. He died on a cross. He bridged the gap. There was this great chasm between us and God. It was our sin that separated us. And Jesus literally died on that cross. It became like a bridge. He's the way back to the Father. And when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he's the Christ, that brings that relationship back together. And we start down that relational line of growing and maturing in that relationship. Today, if you're away from God, Maybe you call yourself separated or divorced. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've never been a Christian, but today I feel God here and I want God in my life. And I want to I confess him as my Lord. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I want to change. I want Jesus in my life. With no one looking around, if that's you, I'd like to pray with you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I do need you to admit it to yourself, to heaven, and to me as the lead pastor. I, I want to know who I'm praying with. And here in just a moment, we'll pray together and we'll ask Jesus into our lives. And it'll shift. Everything will shift for you. As you make him the Lord of your life, so with no one looking around, if that's you. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God, but today I want to make Jesus my Lord. Today I want to cry out to Him for forgiveness, and I want to be right with God. With no one looking around, if that's you, would you just lift your hand quickly? Say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I want to be. Thank you. Thank you, sweet love. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you for your honesty. Put it back down. I just want to be sure I know who we're praying. With. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Thank you, buddy. I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm ready to serve God with all my heart. I just I want Him in my life. I'm ready to ask Him to come into my life. Thank you, sweet love. God bless you two more seconds I don't want to belabor the point I just want to give you the opportunity this is a moment of change every one of us in this room had cried out to God to forgive us every one of us have asked him into our life we're no better than you we have all stood there right where you're standing going God are you real is this real will you really change me we've all had to make that decision to trust that he's real and ask him into our life anyone else one more second I've belabored the point a little thank you sir I believe that was for you you can put your hands down Now I'm going to lead you in a prayer a prayer of repentance prayer of dedication and I say it like this you know Jesus 2,000 years ago he paid for every sin you'll ever commit it's been prepaid he paid it forward there's an account I I picture in my mind there's like an account with all of our names and there's an account with your name on it and every sin you've ever committed will ever commit it's already been prepaid and to access that account as we already quoted to you confess with your mouth believe in your heart that he is the Christ and all of that grace and mercy comes flooding into our lives we've come forgiven it's amazing for what he did 2,000 years ago. And today I want to lead you in accessing that account by a prayer of repentance and a prayer of commitment to Jesus Christ. Would you pray this out loud with me across the room? Those who lifted your hand, if you'll meet it with all of your heart. And the rest of you, would you pray it alongside of them so they're not long by themselves? Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner. I recognize I've sinned against you. But here and now I repent. I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, I'm yours. I accept what you did on the cross for me. I accept the grace and the mercy. And here and now, I declare, Jesus is my Lord. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm yours, and I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed for just a moment? Father, I pray for every man and woman who prayed that prayer just now. I pray they would sense forgiveness. I pray they would sense the joy of their salvation. Your word says it's joyous. And that the angels go crazy when one person turns back to Jesus. Guilt. Father, I pray right now that they would even feel the washing of shame and guilt. And when they walk out of this place today, they can pull their shoulders back a little bit, hold their head up high. And when the lies come, oh, you didn't mean it. Oh, you're gonna go back and do those old drugs. You're gonna keep cussing everybody. And they'll be able to say, whoa, 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 I may not be perfect. Yes, I may sin. But I'm a son now. I'm a daughter now. I'm forgiven now. And I have access to the living God. Jesus, I pray right now that they would know, that they know, that they know that they're yours all their days. In Jesus' name.